Welcome to the Pirelli Natural Horsemanship Podcast, where horse sense and stable thinking meet for the purpose of creating a better horse life. In this episode, Pat Pirelli is sharing the origin of the natural horsemanship movement. Hi, horse lovers. Pat Pirelli here. And remember that Pat Pirelli proudly presents his provocative and progressive program. You know, this is uh, subject today is natural horsemanship, fact or fiction. What is it really all about? So I want to give you my perspective, since I came up with the title, and I'll tell you a little story. So, you know, um, probably around 1975 or 6, something, somewhere in there, I, mean, I, I got pretty discouraged in the horse business. I was trying everything I could, starting colts and trying to get, I was in Clovis, California, I was trying to get my business going and sometimes I'd have 10 horses in training and then I'd have three and then I'd you know I'd have to go sell ice cream on the side or something silly trying to do anything to make a buck you know and anyway I decided that uh, I think I'm just gonna get out of the horse business and uh, do something else maybe buy a tax store or something like that and then just ride my horses on the weekends then I ran into Tony Ernst and Tony Ernst was from Australia, is from Australia, and he was working for a guy named Billy Wiles, and we became friends, and he was a seventh-degree black belt in martial arts, and he could play 14 different instruments, and he was really good with horses, and he'd spent time in Elko, Nevada, and had met Ray Hunt and Tom Dorrance, and anyway, reached, he said to me, he says, Let's, you're having trouble with this filly, he says, just reach down and and just bend her head over and pet on her. And he said, and just breathe in really big and let it out. <sighs> breathe in big and then let it out. And pretty oh, the third time I did it, the horse did the same thing. And it made unbelievable change. Well, I'd made some kind of a change. But then all of a sudden I got really interested philosophically into what Tony was all about, which was martial arts and music. So I, so I started playing a guitar and I uh, got interested in martial arts, and I did kung, he was doing kung fu, and I did that for a while, and then I did Aikido, and then I did Jet Kundo, which is what um, Bruce Lee was all about. That was his program, combined martial arts, where he just took everything. Anyway, so then I got, um, you know, I was, when started studying with, with Troy Henry, and, and he was a real horseman that, you know, that really taught me the four savvies of horsemanship, and all of a sudden, I realized that becoming a horseman was what I, was my real quest all this time. Well, Troy passed away in December of 81, and in 82, I did my very first seminar. And I walked out in front of 30 people, and I said, horsemanship can be obtained naturally through communication, understanding, and psychology versus mechanics, fear, and intimidation. And then I went on. I talked about the eight principles. There were 30 people there that paid 50 bucks a piece. I couldn't believe it that had, you know, that more, I'd never seen that much money in one pile, and, and they loved it, I loved it, and I went, this is my calling, to help people, the, the, the average recreational rider, instead of trying to win the snaffle bit fraternity and all this other stuff I was trying to do, I decided I'm going to focus on people who just really love horses. Well, after Mr. Henry died, then I ran into um, Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, and Ronnie Willis all at one time. I was doing a demonstration on a mule at the, um, uh, what do they call it, the Fresno Livestock Symposium, and it was put on by Bank of America, and 
And Ray did the most incredible cult start I've ever seen in my life. And even Tom told me later that it was the best one he ever saw him do. So I went over to get a hot dog, and, and I met those three gentlemen and their wives and uh, got acquainted. And all of a sudden, I realized that there was this little genre of people that were doing something different. And they used to call this what I call natural horsemanship. They used to call it it. And then, so I started studying with Ray. I started studying with Tom. Tom lived in Madeira. I'd go see him. Or, but he, oftentimes, he'd come down once or twice a month to my place in Clemens and come check in on me and stuff. And, and his brother Bill, and they'd, especially his brother Bill, he, he would say, yeah, I hear that old Joe Walter's doing it or somebody else is doing it, you know. <laughs> and they just called it it. And so anyway, um, all of a sudden I started realizing that there was, there was a kind of a method to the madness. And so as I started teaching, uh, as clinics grew and stuff like that, I started really putting things together kind of in an order that made sense. And one thing leading to another. And then I met Linda in Australia, and, and I think probably around 1990, something like that, because I met her in 89, we were driving down to Melbourne, and I was kind of talking about how I didn't want to call this the Pat Pirelli method and all this kind of stuff. It didn't, kind of didn't sit well with me. And she says, well, why don't you call it natural horsemanship? This is, this is what it comes out of your mouth. Every other word is savvy or natural. And I said, you know what? That's a really good idea. We talked about it. I said, but let's call it Pirelli natural horsemanship because I said, what's going to happen later? Somebody will have a Jones natural horsemanship and a Smith natural horsemanship. And sure enough, you know, I've been making waves all my life, and now it's time to surf them. And I look around, and there's all these other surfers there surfing on our wave, which is cool because that's our whole thing. Our, you know, our, our real nemesis is normal, traditional horsemanship, which is full of chauvinism and autocracy anthropomorphism and linear thinking you know that's that's really our nemesis not anybody else into natural horsemanship so man that that word took off and a lot of people at first wanted to call it kind of hippie horsemanship and and you know they they, they thought it was this kind of weird thing and you know it was it was it was kind of interesting how different people took to it and so but a lot of people in my my first clinics were mostly in California and I'm in Arizona and I would do a circuit and I'd oftentimes do a clinic at the same place three times a year sometimes four down in Orange County at San Juan but uh, San Juan Batista but San Juan Capistrano San Diego Alpine I'd go to Yuma I would go to Tucson I go to all these places and anyway the whole thing started really getting getting caught up well you know Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt started off doing some little clinics and stuff like that early on. And they um, had, uh, you know, Tom told me once that Ray really wanted to travel, and he didn't, so they Ray just went on with it. He just said, go on. But, you know, and so Ray started, you know, being a globetrotter. And so, you know, this whole thing has roots very, very deep. And then, of course, Tom would talk about his grandfather, <laughs> So this is this is real horsemanship, first of all. And here's the thing that kind of is interesting to me these days that kind of seems to not sit just right is I look on some of the social media platforms and it looks to me like a lot of people think it's trick training. In fact, one time I got a call from Switzerland from the FEI and they asked, if, you know, they'd made an appointment that we could have a phone call 
if we could talk about um, how how natural horsemanship could um, benefit performance horses, right? Cool. That's great. I'm all over it. So I'm there, and they started asking all these questions, and they started asking questions like about get, putting a horse on a pedestal and about, you know, backing them into the trailer and about getting them to kneel and bow and lay down. And I'm going, wait a minute. Do you, you, do you, are you saying how does trick training benefit performance horses? They said, yeah. And I went, well, natural horsemanship's not trick training. Well, the, from their perspective, it was. And, you know, this is where it, it's a, an interesting thing. We've come up with this, um, with, with a name, which I think is, is, is brilliant because there's nothing better than natural. I like butter better than margarine. I don't know about you, but I like real. I like natural. And so it's shouldn't even have to have the word natural in front of the word horsemanship because horsemanship to me is a per, perpetual and progressive series of habits and skills that both horses and humans need to become partners. Well, if we start to realize that this thing is kind of taken off, and then a lot of people started going, well, if you're a natural horseman, that means you don't shoe your horse, that means you don't wear spurs, that means you don't use a bit, that means you can take your brassiere off, and you can ride off into the wind. And, and I, it's interesting to me how all these interpretations, and, you know, it, that's, not, and that's fine if that's what people want to do. But that's not my, those aren't my guiding principles. My guiding principles are very simple. Number one, horsemanship is a natural phenomenon. Number two, make no assumptions. Number three, communication is two or more individuals sharing and understanding an idea. Number four is that there are mutual responsibilities in a partnership. Both the horses have them and the humans have them. And somebody has to be the leader, so that means that leader has to use the attitude of justice. Number five, the attitude of justice is effective. Number six is that body language is the universal language. I've got it, you got it, dogs got it, horses have got it, and I bet even ET's got it. And number seven is that horses teach riders and riders teach horses. If it hadn't been for Troy Henry putting me on horses that knew how to do lead changes and knew how to slide stop and knew how to work a cow, knew how to spin, I would I'd still be fumbling around trying to figure it out. My students, that my resident students that come here and ride with me, they ride my horses, and they grow like sunflowers. It's amazing how quickly they grow when they're riding horses that are teaching them. And then when, they, then when I put them on horses that were developing, they just bring them right along. And then the last principle, number eight, is that principles, purpose, and time are the tools of teaching. And, you know, this whole thing started with Dr. Miller doing an article on me, a three-series article in the Western Horseman, and that is what the article was about, was those eight principles. And the phone rang off the hook. People didn't care about the techniques. They wanted something that resonated with their heart. They wanted something that made them go, yeah, that's what is it I've been thinking about. Not how do you make a horse do things? How do you subjugate a horse? How do you hobble a horse? How do you do all the tie the hind leg up? How do you do all this stuff to a horse? So Interestingly enough, it, it kind of was, was on the west coast of the United States. Most of this kind of, the inertia started. Tom Dorrance lived in Joseph, the family, the Dorrances lived in Joseph, Oregon, which is near Elgin, which is where my dad had a ranch at one time when I was a teenager. And it, um, 
uh, resonated and came on down through Nevada and over into Jordan Valley. And the roots are very, very deep. And um, kind of Western horsemanship. Matter of fact, probably something you've never heard of. Um, you know, there, there's people that, that have taken this and have gone along, done along a lot of stuff. There was a guy named Gene Lewis, and Gene Lewis was a great friend of, of Ray Hunt, and Gene was a saddle bronc rider, and uh, he lived in uh, kind of northern, or well, I guess western Idaho, southwestern Idaho, near just south of Boise. And he, um, he was, became a jumping horse trainer, and he would teach all of his horses how to jump horses, jump the jumps, excuse me, while he was riding his horse on a line, and he'd jump them around the course. And that's where David O'Connor got his ideas. He, he met Gene Lewis, and, and a lot of people will say Gene Lewis was the best jumping horse trainer the United States has ever produced. Unfortunately, he's passed on, but his, his widow, Trish Lewis, uh, still comes to some of our clinics here or there, and we still see her. And remember, she just sent us a little book here the other day from her trip from the whole process, her whole journey from uh, England to the Oahis in, in near Jordan Valley. Anyway, so a lot of this has a lot of Western thing, influence to it, but then it's, it's branched out. And, you know, and, and like I said, you know, Gene Lewis influenced David O'Connor and, and then, you know, he's influencing others. And it, so this thing is really going, this idea. Now, like in martial arts, there are levels of, horsemanship and uh in martial arts you got your white belt and then your yellow belt and your blue belt and your green belt and your brown belt and then the black belt and then there's degrees of black belt so i kind of followed that model a little bit to group learners because it was kind of frustrating to try to teach somebody who was pre-level one and i've got a level four student in the same class and i got i got 20 of them and they're all mixed and matched so i started grouping people as learners and i found that to be very effective as it as a an instructor and a teacher and a mentor and a coach to group people together. So this whole idea is that there are using horse psychology, basically natural horsemanship means using communication, understanding, and psychology versus mechanics, fear, and intimidation. That's as simple an explanation as it gets. And yes, you can play using psychology. You can play seven games in four different areas, two on the ground, two in the saddle, online or in hand, as some people would say, at liberty, and that doesn't just mean a round crowd, freestyle, which can mean anything from riding your horse in an arena without a bridle to, you know, doing everything you need to do out on a ranch, cross country, that's freestyle, doesn't matter, it's, this is not English or Western, and then to be able to ride your horse with finesse. Yes, there's a Western way to do it and an English way to do it, and the only real difference between English and Western done naturally is the same difference between a fiddle and a violin. So this natural horsemanship is real horsemanship. It can teach people how to become the horseman that their horse needs them to become. So I hope this has helped you. I hope this helps you understand that if you want to use this for recreational purposes and do it for trick training or whatever you want, that's fine. But if you want to go to the Olympics and beyond, you can do it. Like my niece, Amy Bowers, like Loren Barwick, who's the number one Paralympian in the world today. This is something that every great horseman probably has all of these qualities that we're, we're talking about in this program. So 
This is Pat Pirelli here, helping you keep it natural so you can have a better horse life. The Pirelli Savvy Club is a membership club for people who want to learn how to savvy horses. They want to learn how horses feel, think, act, and play. And it's your virtual instructor for you, no matter where you live, around the world, to understand Pat and Linda's philosophy and psychology of horse training.